grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text was from St. Luke, the 15th chapter. And there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't think they need repentance. Dear friends of Christ, the Pharisees of the law, again, here they are, you know, confronting Jesus, and, and they muttered. They muttered. You know, what do you think when you hear that word muttered? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like somebody puts their, their hand over their face like this, you know, and, they, and then they say something bad about somebody. You, know, you won't believe this about so-and-so. You know, that's, that's muttering. And they had plenty of bad things to say about Jesus uh, because Jesus was welcoming these really bad people into his life, sinners and tax collectors. What always impresses me about Jesus is the way he did that. I mean, he, he truly rubbed elbows with the worst of society. And he loved those kind of people. And it's a dangerous thing. Pastor Al Henderson from St. Paul in Fort Dodge lost his life because he was rubbing elbows with those type of people. And one of those type of people became violent with him and, and took his life. But Jesus wasn't afraid of that. He rubbed elbows with violent people and they did the same thing. They eventually took his life, and it, it, it amazes me that he loved those rotten people. Jesus loved them. And when he, when he came, when people would come to him with broken hearts, hurting, when people would come to him with repentant hearts especially, it didn't matter how wicked they were, it didn't matter what they'd done, Jesus wanted to save them. He wanted to love them. He wanted to rescue them from from their sinful dilemma, and including the self-righteous people, those people who were, uh, you know, thought that they were better than everybody else, like the Pharisees. Even Jesus loved the Pharisees. But the Pharisees didn't need Jesus. They thought they were so, so righteous, so good, so sinless, that uh, God should pat them on the back for the service that they've been giving. And they were too good for God's forgiveness. They didn't need a Savior, certainly not the kind that Jesus was offering. In our text, Jesus showed them that their souls were lost too, though. Because they didn't think they were lost. They didn't think they were condemned. Jesus did. Jesus said, I don't care how holy you think you are, you're lost and condemned. And so he tells a story of these, these three parables. Because he wanted these stubborn, stubborn, stubborn people to hear. Your heart's not right. You're lost. And lost people spend an eternity separated from God. So he gives these three parables, one of a lost sheep, one of a, a lost coin, and another of a lost son. The lost will be found. Trying to tell them, you're lost, you need to be found. And so our theme this morning, that the lost may be found. Well, the scribes and Pharisees, they grumbled, they complained that Jesus was rubbing elbows with these guys and he was keeping, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus always surrounded himself with those type of people, surrounded himself with the, the poor, miserable sinners, the despicable of society, the, uh, the underarm, you know, uh, the armpit of society. They were six sinners who needed a Savior. It's kind of like the sick who are in a doctor's care. Have you ever been to the doctor's office and you're sitting outside in the waiting room and <coughs> You know, and, and you don't want to touch anything because, you know, the people in there, they've, they're there for a reason. You know, why are people in the doctor's office? 
they're sick. They need to be, they need to be made better. And that's the way it is the same for sinners. The sinners gather around Jesus. Why are they gathering around Jesus? Because sinners are sick spiritually, and, and they need to be made better. And so all these sick sinners would gather around Jesus, for Christ came into the world to save sinners, the Bible says. And so it really shouldn't surprise us that it, Jesus surrounded himself with the lowest of society, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and, and the other unsavory type of people in society, unsavory sinners. But the Pharisees, as they looked at those unsavory sinners, could not imagine that they shared the same sinful DNA of these deplorable other people, of these deplorable other sinners. And we have the same tendency to think of ourselves that way, kind of in a self-righteous way, uh, that, you know, that I'm so holy, that's why God ought to love me. And we don't understand that we really, really, truly do live by God's grace. That we don't deserve anything from the hand of God. That we've earned nothing to deserve His favor. Not one thing. And the Pharisees thought that. And we tend to look down, on, uh, look down our nose at other people. And then, you know, we, we might say, chief of sinners... I may be, but so-and-so is worse than me. And that's the way we do in our prayers. Well, sure, I may be a sinner, but I'm not that bad. That person deserves eternal hell. Don't think I'm that bad. I, I don't deserve eternal hell. I don't deserve eternal condemnation. However, unless you see yourself as a sinner, as the chief of sinners... Paul says, I am the chief of sinners, I am the foremost of sinners. And unless you don't see yourself as a chief of sinners, you won't see the need for Christ. Unless you realize that I am the worst of all sinners, then you don't need a Savior. Because Jesus came for the worst of all sinners. And Jesus wants us to examine our lives. He wants us, first of all, in our, sermon, in our message today, to realize who we are. That we are sinners. In the words of Isaiah, it applies to all of us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So unless you can see the depth of your condemnation, the depth of your own sin and your own fallenness, unless you see yourself as a chief of sinners, you won't understand God's forgiveness for you. Will you? But if you see yourself as a chief of sinners, as a foremost of all sinners, then you understand. Then you understand how much he's loved you. If you see yourself as the worst of all sinners, then you're in good company with the good shepherd because he surrounds himself with, with sinful people. He loves the sinful people. He came to save sinners. Sinners are his specialty. They're his cup of tea. And to illustrate this, Jesus told a few parables to try to get to those stubborn, self-righteous people that didn't think they were lost and didn't need to be found. And, and so he tells these parable, parables about the lost and found. Who, having a hundred sheep, losing one sheep, doesn't leave the other ninety-nine behind and search for the one until he finds it. And then when he finds it, he takes that, the shepherd takes that sheep, puts it on his shoulders, and, and gives it a free ride home. 
And when he gets home, he calls all his friends, and there is a great party. There's a great celebration as he calls his friends and neighbors together. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, loses one of them and searches diligently, lights a lamp, searches the whole house until she finally finds it, finds it and when she finds that lost coin, calls her neighbors and friends and says, I found my lost coin, the coin I searched all day for. I searched the, for the all day. Let's have a party. And she spent more money in the party than the coin was worth. We've heard these parables so many times, but I want you to understand. A sheep that loves to wander away from the shepherd doesn't change. A sheep that loves to wander is always a flight risk. The sheep may stay close to the shepherd for a little while, but that sheep is stubborn and that sheep will disappear once again. What a problem sheep that is. Well, what about the 99 well-behaved sheep, the, those 99 sheep that are behaving themselves? It's hardly worth abandoning all those sheep for that one deplorable troublemaker, that pain-in-the-neck sheep that keeps disappearing and wandering away. Just write that sheep off. Just forget about that sheep. You don't need that sheep anyway. Let the lions have that sheep. That sheep's too much trouble. Absorb the loss. Move on. Continue taking care of the 99 good ones. The same could be said of the lost coin, if you want to look at it that way. You know, the, the woman spends all day looking for the lost coin. Well, how many coins could she have garnered if she'd gone to work that day? She'd had a whole bunch more silver coins. But that's not the point of the parable. And that's not how Jesus thinks. Jesus does the unthinkable he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one that is lost. Ezekiel 34 says, I myself will search for my sheep, God says. I myself will look for them, God says. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will go after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places that they are scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. And I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. It's a search and rescue mission. Don't you get it? Jesus searches for you. You're, you're his mission. He wants you. He wants every member of your family. He wants every member of your community. He wants your, the people you work with. He wants all your friends. He wants you. And Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray each to his own way. Jesus knows you're lost and dying, and, and of course, that's why He came for you. He knows you're lost and dying. That's why He found you. That's why He gave you faith, and He wants other people to have that faith and salvation. And that's why He places you on His shoulders, like the man in the parable who found the lost sheep. You're that important to Him. He picks you up, and He gives you a free ride to heaven. You're that valuable to God. Chief of sinners, though you may be, he doesn't write you off. He doesn't see you as a problem child that should just be removed and forgotten about. You're the object of his seeking. You're the object of his cross. You're the object of his love. 
And that's why He's covered you in the waters of baptism. And that's why He called you to be a member of His family. He adopted you and He calls you His son. He calls you His daughter. It's an intimate relationship. It's, it's grace, my friends. It's amazing grace. It's, it's, it's undeserved love. That's why Paul wrote, this is a trustworthy saying, it's deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul says, of who I am the foremost. And did you hear that? It's present tense. I am the foremost worst sinner. It's not in the past tense. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm not anymore. I am the worst sinner. This isn't an aw shucks type of humility that Paul is exemplifying to be self-deprecating. No. Listen. If you know your own heart, if you know the sins of your own heart, if you're honest with yourself, you look at God's commandments, you learn God's Word, and you know what you've done, you know God's Word, you know His commandments, and you know what you haven't done, what God has expected you, and you've just not wanted to do it. The Bible, the devotions, the prayers, the fellowship, the behavior. And if you know your own sins, then you understand. If you know your own life, then you understand. You know your sinful condition. You know you're lost in sin and death. You know that you're a poor, miserable sinner. And Jesus took all upon that, placed it all, all that miserable stuff, and put it on himself. And he carried it as a shepherd carries a sheep. And on the cross there, Jesus became the foremost sinner. Jesus became the chief of sinners for, for you and for me, the sacrificial Lamb of God that laid down his life for people like us that we might live. He who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus died, and then he was buried. And he was lost. As, as we would say in terms of somebody who just recently died, we lost him. And Jesus was lost in the grave. They didn't think they'd see him again. They didn't think he'd ever return. But he did come back. And through the maze of sin and darkness and death, he found his way that he might show us the way to eternal life through his blood. So, the search continues today. This plan and rescue mission that Jesus has done for all sinners continues today in your life and mine. He searches us. And then when He finds us, He calls us to be members of His search and rescue team. And what an honor it is to be part of God's mission. Searchers. To reach out to people. Now, many of you don't know this, but I'm in a project of putting all of my Bible, uh, all my adult instruction classes online on YouTube. Uh, when I get them all done, I'll announce it all. But the whole point being that you can watch videos. If you have friends that are curious about Jesus, you don't have to have all the answers. Watch a 30-minute video. There's many of them. I'll have 13 lessons, and each lesson is broken into 30-minute segments. You can go there and use them for Bible studies. You can ask your sons and your daughters and your neighbors and invite them to go watch them and to share. And that way we can, we can together have, send people to the internet in a way that in their own time and in their own free moments be able to learn about Jesus. And you can brush up on, on the basic things to reach out 
You know, what's your purpose in life after all? Why are, he, why are you here? Why has God allowed you to live in this earth? Why does He give you another day to reach out? To talk about Jesus to somebody, it's no greater honor and privilege than being part of that search and rescue operation. Seeking the losses, missing the church that God is, Christ has given us to do. To reach out to our community. And so we see our community not as the enemy. The, the people in our community that we say, oh, look at those poor, miserable sinners. They're our mission. Those people with all kinds of doodads in their nose and their eyebrows and wearing pants that kind of hang down here and you see almost all their underwear. And we say, why don't they just dress right? They're our mission. They're our project. We see lost sinners as potential members. We see people buried in the filth of their sin, and we see a project. They become the object of our love. They become the object of our mission, of our outreach, because they're the object of Christ's search and rescue mission. The Lutheran Women's Missionary League does that. They are involved in this search and rescue mission. They support missions, Lutheran Women Missionary League. And of course, they've been about that since 1942. They've been collecting mites and all their pennies and all their nickels and quarters and, of course, now dollars. And they put all of those little mite boxes together and to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, they support missions around the world and reach out to people. And Christ has been seeking the lost through, the work, through their work. What an example of Christian discipleship. And if our congregation, if each congregation is the soul of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, if the congregations are the soul, and if the pastors and the missionaries are the feet of the church, and if our seminaries are the mind, and our colleges are the mind, and our our parochial schools are the mind of the church. And the Lutheran Hour ministry is the voice of the church. Certainly, the LWML is the heart. The heart of the church. The heart of the LCMS. The Lutheran women in mission are here to remind us about all that. To remind us about our mission about our marching orders, to be in the Word of God, to share the Word of God with each other, to support missions, to bring the wandering sheep back into the fold. The day's coming when you're going to be confused. The day is coming, there will be a time where you're going to feel hopelessly lost. It'll be a time when the wisest doctors are going to look at your condition and say, there's nothing left we can do. Doesn't matter, the finest medical care will not be able to save you, will not be able to rescue you. There will come a time when the Lord will call you from this world and call you home. That happened to Pastor Al Henderson as he was at his church, it was midweek school, and somebody knocked on the back door of, of the kitchen of the church, and he went back and 
it was a man who wanted food and wanted, wanted, wanted in. And he said, no, you can't come in right now. We've got the kids. So he stepped outside the door, and the guy proceeded to beat him to death. And Pastor L. Henderson found his way in front of Jesus. He saw Jesus' face. And you may feel your life slipping away that way. And your life is slipping away from your loved ones, from everything that you know that is normal. And as you close your eyes and as you breathe your last, what a joy it is to know that you've been found. For the Lord Jesus and His holy angels will come to you to be with you, to bear you up, to bear you on His shoulders and to bear you home to the safety of God's presence. And how, how can you be sure that He'll do that? Because Christ receives sinners and He eats with them. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.